Welcome to season three of Passing the Peace, featuring Amy Meyer and Nancy McCraney. Passing the Peace is a podcast with a progressive look at faith, religion, God, the Bible, and some other stuff. If you're listening right now, it only takes a few clicks to help us out. You can subscribe to Passing the Peace, you can give us a review, and you can even share the podcast with someone who might be interested. Merry Christmas! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How are you? Stressed. Stressed? Yes. A little weary? I actually, well, not yet, but I will be. Yeah? Well, so, okay, so here's what happened. One of our neighboring towns has a ministerial alliance, which I would describe as church leaders from various area churches coming together to meet for whatever purpose they've decided. Right. So in in our city in Elgin, we have a ministerial alliance, and I'm part of it, and we pool our money. Each church donates a little bit of money to a common pool that can help people indirectly with their rent or bills and, you know, groceries, whatever, stuff like that. I'm not exactly sure what the one in the neighboring town does, but they have an alliance, and they have historically partnered with the city to provide a Christmas parade on the first Saturday morning of the year. Of December. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, of December. <laughs> <laughs> of, ad- of Advent. No, yeah. it wouldn't be. First Saturday the first Saturday of December. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and last year... What I heard is that there was a float with some local area drag queens that either were in the parade or wanted to enter the parade. And so this year, the Ministerial Alliance wrote in some rules that said that no LGBT organization or supporting organization? What I read was... um, it had to be traditional family values. Okay. The floats had to represent traditional family okay. values. Okay, that's right. Yeah. None of them could participate in the parade. So now the city of Taylor has broken off from the Ministerial Alliance, and now there's going to be a dueling parade Yeah. <laughs> at the exact same time on the exact same day. Right. And I'm not familiar enough with the town to know the parade routes, but... But apparently there's going to be two parades at the exact same time. One hosted by the Ministerial Alliance and the other, I'm assuming hosted by the city. But by I the know. city, okay. yeah. Okay. And I've been asked by a friend to come ride and float on that parade, which I want to do. However, uh-huh. that is also the exact same day as our parade. Our parade, we start decorating at 2 p.m. Okay. We leave for the parade grounds at... 4.45. The parade starts at dusk. We don't normally get back to the church to undecorate the float until 8 p.m. And then we don't leave the church until pushing 9. So you would be parading for 12 hours. <laughs> yes. For more than 12 hours. Yes. That would be a, quite a long day. <clears throat> yeah. It's, well, even just doing our float by itself without other floats and without any other parades is grueling. Yeah. But again, just like last year, I'm 
choosing to overbook myself uh-huh. and do something that I know for sure I don't have the stamina to do, um, but I'm going to do it anyway because both things are important to me. The sermon for Christmas Eve last year was about weariness, and I talked about how I made myself weary by overbooking myself, which I am. You're doing, doing again. It. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, is you talked about auditing a class, which mm-hmm. is a great thing about auditing a class is you don't have to do anything. Right. And you decided on your own yeah. to take all these online quizzes. And then it got to be this game because you made a hundred on the first one. And right. you were like, wouldn't it be great if I just aced all of them? Yeah. And then you came up with a 67 on one of them. Yeah. So then you had to double down yeah. to prove to this professor that you didn't even know right Right, that you were you know you were good enough for this class and I thought that is so common like we take on we don't have to you know Mm -hmm. here it is you can just sit back and read and take in what you want to but you went all in which is charming (laughs) I think um and also kind of hilarious and it sounds like you're doing it again yeah (laughs) Pretty difficult. And I'm I'm pretty common with that <laughs> trait myself. I I took this online course one time called Choosing Ease mm. about how we we do. We make things so much harder than they have to be. Sometimes out of really good instincts like the parade. Yeah. Like that's really good. And maybe you'll do that because it's the right thing for you. And maybe you won't because it's the right thing for you. So you know, I don't know that there's one right answer, but I think in your sermon you talked about sometimes weariness is self-imposed, mm-hmm. which I definitely can relate to. And sometimes it just visits us, like circumstances come outside of our control and mm-hmm. suck up all our emotional and physical energy and time, and they're just exhausting. And then I also think as part of that, Sometimes as a society or as a world, we're visited by circumstances and events that are overwhelming or too big for us to sort of metabolize easily. And so we're just, it takes a lot of work. And I think we've been in that, you know, for a couple of years at least Mm -hmm. with the pandemic and with sort of racial injustice and with, you know white supremacy and Christian nationalism. It just feels like everywhere you turn, there are things that are hard to fathom and that are exhausting to try to work with. If you really took the time to fully ponder even one of those issues, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night, you know? Yeah. So it's like you can... you. You can become so weary even just thinking about it. And I think that's why some people don't think about it. It's just too overwhelming. And so we have this balance between, you know, we have to be responsible citizens, you know. Right. We can't just go, oh, I don't choose not to know anything about anything. I'm not political. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you are. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, we have an obligation to know things. Yes. But at the same time, we have to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a delicate balance. And with all the 
maybe it's always been that way, but it seems like with all the accessibility of news now, it's maybe maybe hits us a little differently than generations prior. Could be. It could be. And I, I think I have to remind myself fairly often, what is, what is mine to do? How much information do I need to do that? What somebody else has to do, it doesn't mean I don't care about that, but it mm-hmm. may mean I can't invest right. as much, or I won't be any good to anybody. I remember a few years ago, for me, uh, I decided there were like three things maximum in terms of sort of social justice issues that I could really focus on mm-hmm. that I had to pick, like where I was going to give time and money and energy mm-hmm. Or I would be spread so thin, it wouldn't yeah. really matter. It wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. And I, I remember, again, a number of years ago, a few people I knew were feeling a lot of despair about just how the rhetoric in our country seemed to be growing more violent mm. and sort of seemed like, you know, disparaging people publicly and bullying was becoming the norm. Yeah. And, and a lot of things that went along with that. Mm-hmm racism and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, things like that. And so I was talking with some older friends, and they said, we just feel hopeless. Mm. And I didn't want them to feel hopeless, So, and I didn't want to feel hopeless either. And I said, you know, if we all put our shoulder to the wheel and push with whatever effort we can, then we'll move things in a better direction. Mm-hmm. But being hopeless won't inspire any of us to do that so we have to just lean in and push but I can't push the wheel by myself and neither can you so that was an image that helped me think Mm -hmm. okay this is just as much as I can push today or I can't push today I've got to rest today yeah so so I think that whole idea of weariness yeah whether self-imposed or it just an unwanted visitor yeah. It's a really common experience. And in the sermon, you, you mentioned your favorite hymn, mm-hmm. or favorite Christmas hymn, or just favorite it's hymn. It's my favorite hymn, if I had to pick. I mean, I, I like so many hymns, but if I had to, if I was forced to pick one, I'd pick this one. Oh, Holy Night mm-hmm. is beautiful. And and the the words, I mean, if you've heard it all your life, you may not really hear the words. And so yeah. when you really look at them... And you mentioned one um, phrase, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And that was the phrase, a weary world rejoices. Yeah. That's beautiful. How does the weary world rejoice? How does the weary world rejoice? And you, you talked about the angel, Gabriel, coming to Mary Mm -hmm. and saying greetings. And then you talked about in the Greek, the word greetings is actually a particular greeting that means rejoice. The very first word that the angel says to Mary is greetings. In the Greek, the word is Tahira, and that is a greeting. But literally translated, it means rejoice, be joyful, have joy. 
So he is greeting her, but he's also telling her to rejoice. And I was like, oh, so Mary would have heard rejoice. And then she wondered, okay, what kind of greeting might this be? But I thought, you know, it's when somebody maybe, like in my imagination, comes to you and says, I've got really great news. And you're like, what? <laughs> I'm not sure yet if it's great news for me <laughs> or if you're trying to talk me into something. <clears throat> so I was just sort of imagining Mary like, hmm, rejoice. <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? How would you like to How would you like? <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> so cool. Um, you're going to carry the Savior of the world. Um <laughs> And you're like 14 years old right. um, and Probably not married maybe. yet. Yeah. So it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So rejoice. And and then I was sort of looking up the etymology of the word rejoice, which what I found was the, at least the English word rejoice comes from this old French word, which is like intensified joy. Like, because hmm. the word, the re mm-hmm. is an intensifier mm-hmm. and then joie Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a really deeply felt ex- experience of, of gladness or of, um, of joy. Yeah. The second verse gets me, it's, uh, oh, maybe it's not the second verse, whichever verse this one is, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Mm. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Mm. That's my favorite. Wow. I just got chills. I know. I love it. And thinking about a ministerial alliance excluding Mm -hmm. members of the community. Mm-hmm. Beloved members of the community. Right. So, because one of the kind of hooks for my sermon was the song, Oh Holy Night. First of all, I was surprised to find out that it's not in our hymnal. I think it was in our old one. But it's not in the new one. And as soon as I saw that it wasn't in there, I thought, oh no, is there something secretly offensive uh-huh. about the lyrics? Because <laughs> that's kind of, you know, why some stuff was taken out, you yeah. know, like, or the theology wasn't quite lining up. And I thought, oh, no, my favorite hymn is not in the hymnal. And so I, I, I asked some of the people who put the hymnal together. And the answer was that it's a song that is meant to be more of a solo than a congregational sing-along okay uh and that's the only reason and they could only fit so many hymns they could only put in 800 or 900 yeah (laughs) so they had to pick yeah cull a few out yeah well that's a relief yeah so they just decided that that that's more of a choral piece or a solo and that the hymns in the hymnal are meant to sing along for everybody yeah can you tell me how does it have wide ranges of yeah the soprano part which is what most people sing in church i mean often they sing the melody is that the highest it's really high okay like when i was growing up we my 
we would always go to Christmas Eve service. My dad was a minister, and inevitably there would be a soprano that would sing A Holy Night, who was terrible, and we <laughs> couldn't really do it justice because it's hard. Okay. And we would laugh all the way home and mock. <laughs> Oh, I know. No. <laughs> we would imitate the bad soprano. I know. This is what preacher's kids do, right? Secretly. And when you said we, I thought you meant including <laughs> your dad. No, my and I was like, oh, no my, I'm sure my dad was not. I mean, maybe he was laughing on the inside, but he was probably just irritated because we were screeching in the back seat. <clears throat> so I have all this sort of emotional memory of that song, but well done. It is, it's so gorgeous. Yeah. It's just so often not well done, and it is hard to sing. Okay. Do you have to go real high and real low? It's mostly or? just real high. Okay, it's yeah. the high that makes it higher. Yeah. Because it starts off like, oh, yeah, I've, anybody could sing this. And mm-hmm. then it's very deceiving because that, you know, fall on your knees. Mm-hmm. Keeps going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and Gentry sang it mm-hmm. that night, and she can do it. Like, she's a voice major. She right. can... And you'd asked if I would sing with Gentry, and I yeah. said, only if I sing the alto. I'm not okay. touching the soprano part. Okay. Because you really got to have your, what they call your chops. You got to okay. know what you're doing and be able to reach those notes. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like to, I mean, I assume you've sang it before. Yeah. I think I sang it with Barry a couple of times. And okay. he would sing the tenor as the soprano line, and I would, again, sing the alto. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what it was like to sing it last year? Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a powerful song to sing, especially if you're singing with somebody that can really, you know, take it take it all the way home. Mm-hmm. And I love to sing harmony with somebody with a, especially with a voice like that. You can really sort of fit your voice into theirs. And yeah, it was. I loved it. It's almost like transports you. To a really beautiful place. To a holy night. To a holy night. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It does. It's so interesting to me that my favorite hymn is so difficult to sing, but all all hymns are difficult. I mean, I'm not a singer, so I sound terrible singing every hymn. (laughs) (laughs) And there's no drums. I mean, maybe I should see if there's a drum cover for a holy night. For a holy night. (laughs) There probably is. There probably is. I should, if not, I should make one. Um, I, there's something there for me, like in the back of my brain, that this hymn that is my favorite hymn and at least beloved, if not it is. favorite, but beloved by so many, um, is so difficult mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it takes a professional to get it right. Like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, uh, the the theme of taking on too much and becoming weary it's like we can't all sing oh holy night <laughs> yeah, right we gotta, we gotta let the professionals do that one and we can uh just listen or take it in in a in you know in the way that you can yes we don't always have to be the ones leading the song we can be the ones taking it in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that says something for this season especially. So we lead, a, I, in my work as director of bereavement services for a hospice, we lead a lot of grief support groups. And we always, we always tell people, 
um, you know, thank you for being here when it's over and for participating however you were able to. And some people participate by talking or sharing and some people participate by listening Mm -hmm. and just being present. And that's equally valuable. Yeah. If there was nobody there to listen. Right. Then it really wouldn't make much difference. Yeah. I was also thinking about that line that you read from the song, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Mm -hmm. That's hard. That sounds so easy. And when you Mm -hmm. just sing it in a song, it's like, yeah, you know, (laughs) but law, love is the law. Like law is something you have to follow. Yeah. Even if you don't want to, even if it's a hassle, even if it's doesn't make sense to you, if the law is love, which I believe it is, then that's a discipline. Mm-hmm. That's something you just do, even mm-hmm. if you have to grit your teeth and do it. And so what does that mean? That's not easy. And I also think sometimes the easy is what we choose in place of what's the right thing to choose. Hmm. Not always, Mm -hmm. but I think especially in terms of like judging other people that Mm. are different from us. Sometimes it just feels easier to say, well, that makes me uncomfortable. And so that must be wrong Mm -hmm. because it, it's not familiar to me. It's not comfortable. It feels wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the law is love, that to me would indicate then we we push ourselves to open up to the other in a way that may be uncomfortable, but that's our discipline. Mm-hmm. We do that, mm-hmm. and the gospel is peace. And I think when we are, are in the law of love, there's a, a an opening. There's a right. deep breath. It's like a freedom for other people and for ourselves to to be who they are. Yeah. Do you think the world was weary back when Jesus was born? Yeah, I think it's always been weary. I really do. Yeah. Like we have we have this nostalgia for time gone by when everything was simpler and right. everybody knew their place. But it's like that's not really true. That's just based on our selective memories. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of horrible things going on, and a lot of it under the surface, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think Not the world is, yeah, that's yeah, it's always been weary. I thought maybe they didn't get old enough to get weary back then. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, that's why they died so young. They were really weary. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe so. They had to sort of, you know, work so hard for food and yeah. shelter and warmth and yeah, all that. Start having babies at 14, you know, yeah. that'll take it right out of you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the world has probably are, are, always been weary. And I, I like the distinction you made between happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. That joy is not based on anything outside of ourselves. It sort of bubbles up from within. And I sort of think of it as it's that place where God dwells mm-hmm. that, you know, every now and then something catches our breath and it just kind of bubbles to the surface. Mm -hmm. If we allow it, if we're not so contracted that we can't let it flow. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite, and I don't know if this is like the desert fathers. I don't know where this comes from, but it's, 
I heard it from Joan Chittister. And she it goes something like this. God sends 10,000 joys like birds to sit upon your roof. But if you are shut up to them, they stay a while and then they fly away. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember that because it it really speaks to me mm-hmm. that if I'm if I'm not open to that rejoicing, to that joy that comes from deep within, well, it'll it'll just move on. It'll be there, but I can miss it. Mm-hmm. And so to find those moments, even in the deep weariness, and I I've told this story before, so. Just know that. Okay. But I remember a Christmas season many years ago when my kids were like four and six. You know, they're 22 and 25 now. And a friend of mine had this great idea, right? Greetings. (laughs) I've got this great idea. Let's take, she had three boys that were like, you know, 10, 8, and 5. Oh, this is the trail of lights. This is the, yeah, trail of lights. Let's go to the trail of lights. Awesome. Let's do it. And so it was horrible. Like, I mean, it was great for the boys, I assume. Probably the only thing that would have been worse is if you were doing it by yourself. By myself. With all five boys. Like, with two would have been bad, but with all five. So it was two. And I think my friend tripped and fell, like, before we even got to the trail Mm. lights. Like, so she'd already fallen. Drama queen. And then we had all the shenanigans you're going to have with five boys in that age range, especially. And then on the way home. We're exhausted. It's a school night, you know. Got to still get them home, bathe to bed, get up and do it all again in the morning. They probably want food. Probably want more food because the chicken, frozen chicken nuggets we gave them weren't enough. <laughs> Ungrateful little yeah. children, you know. And so um, we're in the we're in her big SUV, five boys, two shells, you know, for women in the front seat. Mm-hmm. You can't even speak because there's so much noise. Yeah. And then, and the best part was her 10-year-old burping um, jingle bells. Yes. <laughs> and my six-year-old laughing so hard, I thought, I guess you can't have a seizure from laughing that hard. But maybe. So maybe. And then I hear this high little voice singing Away in a Manger. Yes. And I look back, and it's Patrick, the four-year-old. Yeah. And he's just ignoring the chaos all around him. He's got his little head turned up, and he's looking out, in, you know, into the sky. And that's and I thought, this is my moment. Mm-hmm. So sweet. And I did. I felt this deep, like, okay. Do you ever make is... him sit in the back of your your car and, and sing? sing? I should ask <laughs> him that. I mean, just for the response I would get would be worth it. That would bring me joy. Because he wouldn't do it, but he would have something choice to say about it. But I think about it, and I th- every year I think, okay, no matter how weary I am or what's going on or who I'm taking care of or you know, there's going to be a moment if mm-hmm. I'm open mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. and hopefully mm-hmm. more than one moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to say something maybe controversial in the world of theology. Good. Not Good. in the world of theology. Yeah. It's Nobody else is going to think so. But I like the theology of Christmas better than I like the theology of Easter. I do too. Okay. It's not like I dislike Easter. No, I love Easter. But Easter feels, um, I get to try harder. Yeah. (gasps) Then Christmas, it feels like, I don't know. There's something about 
God coming into the world as a human baby. That makes me want to cry. I know. Yeah. Right. The most vulnerable. I agree. I just connect with it in a different way, I think. Yeah. I think it's a, a, yeah, it's just a miracle. It just opens up. And by that, I mean like this, this grace sort of bursts in to our weariness and there's the joy. Yeah. There's the joy. And we hope that you can find some joy in your lives this season. And I'd like to end by sharing with you the recording of O Holy Night from last year's Christmas Eve service. It's not the best recording in the world because the microphone was too far away from the piano and from Nancy and Gentry who were singing, but I think you can still really enjoy it.
Thank you.